welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, the podcast brought to you by CityGo, the city centre management company for Manchester. Continuing our series of life after COVID and how it affects various sectors and businesses, this week we're looking at culture. I'm talking to three cultural leaders in the city, Esme Ward of Manchester Museum, Sally MacDonald of the Museum of Science and Industry, and Julia Fawcett of the Lowry, about what the last 12 months has been like, what changes they're likely to see taken forward as a result of their experiences during COVID and their hopes and fears for reopening. There are a few pops and bubbles and Julia drops out and rejoins us. I hope it doesn't affect your enjoyment too much. Right, thank you for joining us. Um, let's start with you, Julia. Um, what has the experience of the last ooh, 12, 13 months it is now been like for you? Um, how's the business uh, been running? Um, how have your staff been doing? How have you been coping? Gosh, 12 months, it's such a long time, isn't it? I don't know. It's hard to kind of tell the story in just a few sentences. How long have you got born? I mean, basically, it's kind of like a trilogy. So, you know, March last year, shut down overnight, 95% of our income disappeared, staff all at home. Um, You know, that's kind of the initial firefighting phase. Then there was the kind of the the, the process of sort of getting used to what this was looking like for us. So a lot of operational planning into talking to customers and audiences, moving shows. I think we've moved more than a thousand shows now and counting. Um, and then the third and by far my favourite bit of the process has been the recovery phase and, you know, beginning the planning and the thinking about getting everything starting again. So it's been really tricky, lots of highs and lows, um, but we're still here. That's the main thing. I, I guess for you, because you had to plan so far in advance for shows. I mean, that you, the idea that we were all reopening back in... October, November, December, because as you remember, we'll have, we had a conversation that um, my, we, we have tickets for six, which was going to be, I think, just before Christmas, and it's it, it's incarnation. Um, I think you know, that, that was must be really frustrating that it's, it, it, yeah, it all think, was back up and running and then had to shut down again for you. I think that was a real low point uh, in terms of morale for the team and confidence, I guess, as well as an organisation. Um, you know, so much work being put into getting things restarting again and obviously seeing other colleagues in other sectors and in our own sector in other locations were able to get going again. And um, I think we managed one day, we got our galleries open, and for one day we had one show and then obviously Manchester went into the more Greater Manchester went into the more um, severe restrictions so we closed the next day I mean we're, we're desperately looking for the positive in everything and even that one day did give us the option opportunity to test you know COVID secure systems and so on so when we come to reopen in May at least we'll have had the benefit of that one day or at least that's how we're framing it most positively to ourselves now yeah it does feel i think that's the same thing with retail and with nighttime economy is is you know the the probably the only silver lining is that they practiced reopening a couple of times now and they actually sort of it went fairly smoothly at the beginning you know the april reopening because they've already done it twice so actually knowing that you know when you let queues in and all of that sort of stuff i mean in practical terms for you at the lowry how how many of shows have you kept? Have you kept all the shows and just moved them back a couple of years? Have you had to cancel a few in, in terms of the gallery as well as, as the, the theatre spaces? Yeah, so it's, it's a mix really. So we've moved about a thousand shows, more than two thirds of those shows. You're right, Vaughan, we've rescheduled. I mean, the thing I've got to say is 
how amazing our audiences have been. You know, some shows have been moved not once, but twice or three times. And the majority of audiences have said, no, we'll keep our tickets, you know, for the new dates. And that's been so important for us as an organisation to keep things going by holding on to that box office. In terms of galleries, you know, well, one of the big lessons has been um, that ability to pivot to digital. So the exhibition we planned for um, late last year, um, Days Like This, was designed to be um, both a live exhibition and um, online. So we were able to switch. Um, and I do think that's going to be a feature, not just for our visual arts work, but also for our theatres um, programme going forward. More work, more flexible, more flexibility and audiences engaging with our work in very different ways to, you know, pre, pre the pandemic. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of been a big, a big job really for us, kind of working with artists and new artists in new and different ways and finding audiences to engage with work in a different way. So maybe, you know, that that will be a real positive coming out of all of this. And, and as shows move, has it been problematic for the companies putting them on? Because presumably actors will start to have clashes of diaries and those sort of things and and um or are they just desperate and they'll be willing to do one like the old days of rep and do one show for four days and then another show for another four days oh gosh gosh you know what it's like when it's like a jigsaw puzzle if you think about the most complex jigsaw puzzle you can imagine and you take out odd bits of the jigsaw puzzle that's what the program for a single institution looks like and then when you kind of multiply that across the whole of the 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 country um it isn't just what's happening in our venue it's what's happening in venues in Southampton or you know Newcastle and whether or not a tour can hold together sometimes isn't about what's happening at the Lowry in Manchester it's about what's happening at another location so all of those conversations with the producers they've been incredibly complex I mean the willingness of artists and companies to get work going has definitely been there the appetite from audiences has been strong but it's a complex picture and I think it will remain that way for quite some time yeah, it's interesting talking to, say, Manchester Arena, who, once they're back up and running in September, they appear to have all the shows from last autumn and all the shows that are already being planned for this autumn. So, you know, it could be a bonanza, but, of course, you then get into the worries about are there just going to be enough security staff in the city to be able to person all of these all of these events and, enough past, and all of that sort of stuff as well, which, which just adds into it. Yeah, but I think nice problem to have. We'd yeah, rather get things going. Yeah. <laughs> get lots of great programming into into the city, and I, I genuinely do think that audiences are ready for it, and you know, we'll we'll really thrive on that broad offer that Manchester's always got. Yeah, and the, when when tickets are going on sale, they seem to be rushing out the door. Well, it seems to be yeah, drastically well, effect everywhere, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, we're definitely seeing that. You know, we've hold on to the box office, as I said, with the shows that we've moved. But when we've been putting new dates on or new shows, I mean, the response from audiences has been fantastic. So, um, you know, that, that is a real positive. Sally, over, over to you. You have been able to be open, but again, then closing. Um, were you move, having to move major exhibitions around as, as well? And what's, the, what's been the experience for you? We did, yes, Vaughan, yeah. Um, and nothing like what you've just described, Julia, because um, because it is, has been our exhibitions generally and uh, Manchester Science Festival, which has moved at least twice. Um, but um, I guess, yeah, we were able to open between August and the end of October, which is fantastic. So we really feel like 
we know how to do it safely. And we've had that practice of, of, of ticketing, free ticketing, uh, what was normally just a walk-up venue, which was it was quite a change to, for our audiences. But I think one of the joyful things about it, and, and that the, like you, Julia, the first part of it was joyless for us, really, and, and joyless for me personally, I think. I really, really missed the museum, physically missed the museum. It was such a wrench, and I know a lot of my colleagues did. But one of the good things was just when people did come back, how they talked about um, how they talked about the experience of being in the space, and I'm, I'm sure you'll have had this as well as me, that um, people talked about it in terms of, you know, their health and well-being, um, which is not something we'd ever really talked about very much. Um, you know, we talked about it being a fantastic, fun experience, but actually I think it was it was a, a therapeutic experience. And I, I know this sort of personally, um, not just from coming here, but from I visited a couple of other museums in that brief period when we could all open. And I found it um, quite an emotional experience, actually, um, being in 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 beautiful spaces that were not my, my well my home isn't a beautiful space but um beautiful spaces that are surrounded by really amazing stuff so so all of that was um was was re- a real eye-opener I think mm-hmm. um and then we were able to carry we've been able throughout to carry on some with some of our cap- big capital projects which has been really cheering so even when you know we had to down tools for the immediate future and rearrange uh, programming at least you could see some progress happening in the background so we've got our new exhibition gallery which we can't wait to open um could have opened it a few months ago but um but at least it's done it's it, it's finished and other capital works continuing um uh, so that's that's been a positive the other the other positive thing a bit like you julia is um is is you know being forced to 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 do digital seriously um so we we um particularly around learning resources i think that's been a really really interesting thing so we've seen um a 50 percent increase in the use of our online collections um during uh, the last year up to 1.2 million um uses um, we had a fantastic partnership with BBC Bite Size, just getting our explainers who normally work in the museum doing experiments um, uh, on, on first of all online and then on, on telly. 5.2 million uh, views of those. I mean, you just wouldn't go back to solely in-person interactions after that. Um, so it, it feels as though. Yes, we were doing it, but only a little bit, and and now we'll we'll be we'll be very much factoring it in. But um, but no, so that so I'm like you, I'm, my glass is always half full, um, and um, we've we've learned an awful lot from this period. And have you managed to open your shop or have outside areas for your cafe or anything? Your cafe could probably have some outside areas, couldn't it? It, it does, yeah. No, um, we we decided not to reopen it um, in advance of the museum opening. So it's been open when when the museum's been open, but we haven't we haven't opened it otherwise. Um, just just on the basis of um, you know known footfall, I suppose it doesn't it doesn't feel like um, uh, like like the most obvious thing to do. But we're really looking forward to opening again on the 19th of May all goes well you you and your sort of the senior team the opportunity to to look at things I mean obviously over the over the years you've been there you've really pushed the science festival particularly and turned it into a really major event has it given you the opportunity to to sort of think about how you can you know uh, rebuild that and, and and take it to ever new heights as well 
Definitely. And again, with the dig- digital, we put we 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 we've run the first part of the science festival over the February half term, um, and we got. Um, 10, 10 and a half thousand people watching our talks. And like like you, Julia, they, you know, a lot of them were watching at the time, but but many more have watched since. And so um, so the reach of, of that is just far in excess of what we would have ever achieved previously. Um, and I think um, it just, uh, it's raised our game massively. It meant, it meant we've, we've had to learn a whole lot of new skills. Well, we still, still are learning them. Um, but, um, but no, it, it feels as though, um, feels as though we've, we've, we've had a bit of time to think. Um, and, uh, and, and I think the quality of what we've done has been, has been the better for it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in, in terms of school education, how much of that remote experience, the, the positive bits of it, rather than the negative bits of trying to be taught by a teacher who's also got three kids around the same table who are trying to learn themselves, um, are actually maintained. And, and and then the links through to, you know, that, that period back in March, April last year, when everybody was searching through YouTube, for something that was vaguely sort of learning orientated to, to play to their children was, um, you know, I, I think there probably have been um, a lot of experiments and a, and a lot of brands that have probably been re- have been discovered by families for the first time and got, had no idea of the level of resources that were actually available yeah yeah completely no I, I i agree and i think i think the trick is um not to go back to where we were and to maintain that momentum and and put, keep pushing ourselves Esme, now you had a huge capital bill going on, of course, as well. So, which couldn't have been better timed, possibly, given that you're going to have to close much of the museum anyway. Um, so, how much of an effect has has the last twelve months had on you um, and on on the museum? Have you managed to sort of bring things forward and and get building done that was being planned for a sort of couple of years and hence, or or um, have you all followed the same program all the way through? Yeah, sadly, we've not brought things forward. I wish we had. Um, uh, in fact, they've slipped a little, um, unfortunately. The, the th- so actually, it's been great having a capital project because it's something to focus on. It energises everyone. You're building for the future. Um, you also, though, I was smiling when Julia was talking because the logistics, the supply chains, all, all of that, you're in the midst of that. And of course, it's often beyond your control. So we have got a little bit of delay and the the whole kind of full museum huge new extension entrance all of that lots of new galleries will be opening in October 22 which is a little bit later than anticipated but uh, I mean just as um, Sally and Julia were were talking I was smiling because I'm afraid I'm a glass half full uh, uh, person as well and um, uh, I I think we need to be (laughs) Um, but actually I was just thinking about you know it's that sense of roller coaster you know the the highs and the lows and I think it's been this really extraordinary mix of kind of exhausting one moment. Um, We've been touring uh, an exhibition across America um, uh, during this period. Um, It's been in Buffalo. It's currently in North Carolina. And just the sheer practicalities and how on earth you do that, it's probably now going to move to China, which is going to be yet more logistical challenges. So you've got what's going on in Manchester. But actually, I think in the last year, I've, I've never felt more kind of globally connected as well as locally. And even, you know, that shift to digital, which I think Sally's so right, it's that is a real 
evolution or a revolution in our work. It's fascinating, you know, the events that we do. I think we've had over 130 countries uh, over 5,000 different cities have been participating in these events. And it would be, I mean, certainly for a museum like Manchester Museum, our mission is to build a more sustainable world and understanding between cultures. How extraordinary. And we've had speakers from all over the world. And it's really connected us, actually, in ways we hadn't previously. So <clears throat> it's kind of a, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, but the capital build is um, it's been great to keep us going. Um, and, and a couple of things that we've done, which are just a bit unusual for museums. So we have actually had staff in every single day because we have live animals at Manchester Museum and you've got to be in every day. But also um, in, in, in during lockdown, we've actually were a specialist college. So we've had an amazing charity called Project Inc. run a college for neurodiverse young people, 16 to 25 year olds. So even now, although we're closed to the public, we are open to those young people who are in every day. And actually... I don't think I'd realised how important that was for the staff to feel the museum is being used in that sense of purpose. So we're, we're keeping on. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, you all talked about sort of staff morale and, and involving the staff and, and, and so on. And I, I think one of the messages that's come through each of these pods really is this third lockdown second for some, fourth for fourth yeah. for others, um, has has just been so much harder, partially because of because of winter and par- partially just because we did feel we were starting to be out of it. So, you know, it, trying to find a way of actually getting the staff feeling motivated and feeling like they were, they were adding something to the general good has been harder during this lockdown than previous ones. Absolutely. This third one, I mean, for me, having Project Inc., but also um, our captive breeding programme. Um, so we have a we have successfully bred the Atalopus varius frog, um, the only place in the world outside Panama. I mean, who knew? But actually, collectively for the museum, that, that things like that, they are, I mean, that's a good news story. That's a species that's under threat. Um, what's not good news about that story? But also, so uh, just that sense of really um, we are we are doing what we're there to do. You know, we are uh, really trying to make that difference. And so I think we've probably focused a little more on those on those moments um, moving forwards because because we should. And I, I think I'll be honest, we're desperate to reopen the doors. I don't know anybody working in our sector who isn't absolutely desperate now. Um, uh, we currently have our shop open, which we opened the minute we could, um, uh, which, which is great. And actually, that was as much for uh, a sense of we're, we're starting to reopen, folks. We're, we're starting on that track. Um, I was in Yorkshire Sculpture Park on Friday and it was wonderful to wander around. I was also nothing more than just really envious <laughs> of all the staff who were there working. So we're, we're really ready now. And it is quite a, an emotional experience reopening. I know Sally and I have talked about it. The last time we reopened the doors, it was extraordinary, the conversations you had with people. And I think... 
that that sense of the thing that lots of people spoke to me about was they really more than and I think now more than ever want to have a sense of connectedness so of course in our case to the past or to the land or environment but actually to each other and get used to being around other people again as well and I really hope people feel the cultural sector might be a great way to kind of ease back in to um to life yeah I think that's a really interesting point and all, all of the three organizations that you represent that they're, they're so crucial to the sort of the, the heart and soul of, of Manchester and Salford you know the, the heart of the redevelopment of Salford but also through Manchester Museum and the, the history of science in the city is so core to that that history that connection to your com- community and that connection to the past and into the future I guess is 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 what all of the institutions do so I, th- I think you know as people search for that um, it's an obvious place to be, isn't it? And a, an obvious place to to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, talking in practical terms, um, Julia, as you work through the weeks to reopening, um, what what needs to be taken care of? Um, what are you hearing from your staff in in terms of sort of, I guess, fears as much as hopes? Um, in terms of what and what you need to then reassure about, and what what will people see as you fling the doors open on that first day? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? That whole um, thing about the way in which staff feel connected to our organisations and our work. I mean, I, I think Esme's right. I don't think there's anyone who works in the arts and cultural sector who doesn't do it because they passionately believe in the value of culture and what we do. Um, I was just reminded, I mean, a lot of our programme that that we um, put on in the last few months that wasn't digital and online was outdoors. And um, I remember the very first, in the first lockdown, the very first outdoor performance that we put forward was um, an Opera North performance of Hansel and Gretel on the service road. It could, the weather, you know, it was not kind to us. I mean, it was literally torrential torrential rain and wind howling and um, it was a socially distanced outdoor performance it had sold out you know we ran a number of um, of shows across a couple of days but the very first show um, I was there staying on the service road with the few staff that were needed to kind of technically run the show and make it work um, and completely un- unplanned and un- unbeknownst to me um, as the show began I just felt this kind of movement over my shoulder and I just turned back and even now I'm struggling to kind of um, of, of relay it because I, it was just so incredibly moving I turned back and walking down the service road just dozens and dozens and dozens of us staff members who had weren't there to work they just turned up they knew the event was happening just that sense of connection um as you say Esme it's about coming together but it's also just I think our buildings are totemic for people too they kind of act as these kind of pulls for people so um incredibly moving um the staff have been on a roller coaster as well as the leadership of our institutions desperate to get going again but of course now all minds turn to the practicalities you know things around what kind of uh, measures we'll be putting in place to keep staff crews artists safe you know lateral flow testing all of that good stuff um so an awful lot of of times being spent sort of in consultation with staff just sort of going through these arrangements with them um staff are really keen to know that when they're in our in our building that we're doing everything we can to keep them safe but broadly they're just desperate to to get going again and and actually if i'm honest about it i think the hardest thing is going to be 
trying to keep people in bubbles and not not having that moment, which I think maybe a year ago we all envisaged where the doors would be open, we're all back in, you know, events are happening and it's more or less, you know, back to normal, kind of um, explaining to staff that it's going to be very gradual and we probably aren't coming back to the same kind of organisations that, that we left. I think the next few months are going to be a real transition for everyone's understanding, I guess, of, of that. In terms of audiences, well, we've got a great programme, you'd expect me to say that, but a real mix over the summer of outdoor events and stuff in our spaces, in our theatres. So, you know, everything from comedy to physical theatre, we're putting a big top out on the um, plaza, we're sending a big top out into, into Salford. There's just, you know, a sense of fun and lightness of touch. I, I don't know about, about you guys, but I don't get any sense at the moment that artists want to, like, jump in the deep end and, you know, come up with like programs of deep and meaningful and significant work. Great though that may be, I think the time now is probably more just one for celebration and uh, lightness of touch and celebrating opportunities to come together. And that's, I think, what our program will, will do. And how far into the future are you still working to social distancing in performances? That's a tough question because, um, oh gosh, you know, the mental gymnastics, we've got kind of multiple programmes really in place, allowing for every eventuality. So if you ask me today what our programme looks like, I can tell you, but I think we've got three, four, six, ten versions of our sleeves, um, you know, in, in the eventuality that things change again. I think that's, again, got to be a positive. I think it it probably has forced us to be more flexible in our approach to long-term planning. So, um, yeah, we've got everything from hybrid events, indoor events, outdoor events, and, you know, and, and digital and stuff. And I think it's going to be really interesting, actually, to see how audiences respond to that really different kind of offer. Same question to you, Sally. Um, what, what are the audience is going to see when you fling open the doors for the final time? <laughs> <laughs> for the final time, that's right. Well, um, I guess um, they will see. Uh, uh, we've done some. Just thinking about our outdoor spaces, we've we've done some some interpreted planting. So we've got some gorgeous uh, flower boxes outside our um, uh, the first building you enter the, the new warehouse, and some nice new seating just to make more of our outdoor spaces. So even though we've got so much capital works going on it is a bit of a building site we're trying to make the most of uh, of our outdoor spaces um so there's nice places to sit out and then we've got our new gallery first exhibition is top secret which is a collaboration with gchq which is fabulous it's one of the most popular was at the science museum uh, more than a year ago now um, but it was one of the most popular exhibitions visions shown there ever so we're really confident that um that that would be busy um and uh, and then we've got lots of family programming like you say julia sort of light touch fun stuff uh, over the holidays uh, the half-term holiday and then again into the summer so um so so lots going on an exhibitions program that sort of stretches beyond that we've got um uh, 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 fingers crossed uh, 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 a lot still to come but I guess also we're we're trying to think about um uh, because our education audiences are a big part of what we normally off um what the, the people we normally serve and we're we're resigned to the fact that schools aren't going to want to come and visit they're not going to be able to come and visit for quite some time so we've got a big program we've been working with um, GMCA on a STEM reboot program to take kits 
um, STEM kits out to schools and uh, community groups and then to send our explainers out into schools as well so that what might have happened on our site um, can now happen out, out, out in schools and really be part, part of the city's recovery. Um, uh, so, so just trying to take it step by step, really. Um, but I, I'm really cheered by um, by what's you know the, the the people's willingness to come back into the city centre and shop and uh, and eat outdoors because um, I I've, I've always had faith that 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 would happen. But it's really nice to see it happening. So you need to actually see people do it, though, don't you? Whatever you, you do, doing. yeah, you do. <laughs> and are you going to have? limits on capacity and yeah we will to start with because so we're going back to the capacity limits that we had when we were open previously um but very much hoping that maybe come summer we might not have to do that anymore we you know we think we can manage it with the with with, with the measures we've got in place already um and I, and I think um we're we're really experienced at dealing with that you know, sanitising and all the rest of it now. So I really hope we can we can get more people in. And Esme, how much of the Manchester Museum is actually going to be open then if the new build isn't opening until autumn 22? Okay, so we have uh, just over half of the uh, museum uh, uh, open at the moment. And um, one, of, one of the things we've really observed, actually, and we've, we've had lots of conversations with people was... Um, one, I guess one of the upsides, if, if, if you can call it that, of the last few months has been a, a real uh, increase in kind of connectedness to nature. Um, so perhaps, as you might imagine, um, that's where our energy is going. So we, we actually have a very beautiful uh, sound piece called Wild Chorus uh, by a fantastic guy called Harry Ovington, which um, was recorded last year. So exactly this time last year, he recorded field recordings of nature with sonified um, uh, pattern data sets. Um, uh, and it's this incredible immersive recording, this kind of moment of glow global quiet. So we're actually going to do a new installation of Wild Chorus surrounded by these amazing birds that sing uh, these incredible songs just to give us those, those moments really. So that's one of the things you'll encounter that's a little bit uh, different. Um, we also have taken the last year to really transform the top floor at the museum. So I already mentioned Project Inc, this uh, extraordinary education charity who are based up there. But actually, the whole top floor is going to be uh, collaborative and co-working spaces with environmental and educational charities. And it's really exploring what's the future of education. So what does education need to look like for the future? And so one of the things we're doing is we're just trying to, exactly as Julia and Sally have said, be a bit more flexible, really. Um, very much like Sally, so much of our work is with schools and colleges. So um, we're very fortunate. We've actually got the world's first inflatable museum. Of course, we have um, at Manchester Museum, which is extraordinary. It's, it's designed, it's huge. It's to fit perfectly within a school hall. I'm, I'm um, tempted to ask who has the second inflatable <laughs> I can tell you, Dorset <laughs> County oh. Museum. <laughs> there you go. Who knew? Um, but it looks 
looks a little bit like a kind of bouncy castle, but without the bounce. Um, uh, but it has a film, it has a large screen within it, it has niches and spaces for collections. So actually, we will be rebooting and our inflatable museum will be travelling all over to really engage those students. And one of the joys of working in a museum with five million objects is we're really thinking long and hard about, you know, maybe for a while Manchester needs to become our museum rather than the museum. So we're looking at how we share those collections and have a lot more of them out and about across the city, particularly while there's this period where people are more nervous about, about coming to us. So um, I guess for us, we've been thinking about how the future is, is collaborative. Um, I, I think I'm sure Julia and Sally would agree one of the really great things of the last year has been the way there's been a lot more collaboration across the cultural sector. We see each other week in, week out on various Zoom calls, all of us. Um, and so I really hope that that is something that keeps as we move forwards and that we just see more and more collaboration across our organisations. I agree. And I just, uh, you know, I was, I was just um, talking to a colleague about um, about the plans to promote arts and heritage in the city as, a, as part of, um, of, of, of encouraging people to come back into Manchester and enjoy themselves. And I can't imagine that kind of really collaborative campaign happening, um, certainly not as, as, um, as swiftly. Um, uh, before so I think it's one of the we were connected but but we, we're super connected now so I think um, you know with that with that basis to 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 grow from um, you know the future's got to be bright. Yeah it's been interesting I think there's a, a similar story across some sectors where I mean I guess in in culture, you're not necessarily in competition in the same sense two businesses in the same sector would be if they sat next to each other. But it's it's been interesting talking to Nighttime Economy and some other businesses where previously they may have had quite a, you know, not necessarily a difficult relationship, but definitely a competitive relationship. Um, and actually realising that the pie is the important thing, not the slice of the pie. Um, and, and when you go through those gaps last year where, you know, you suddenly you have no audience and no customer base at all, what you need to be doing is working together to bring in a customer base. And then you can think about whether they're going in next door's business or your business or whatever, but that becomes a, a slight. And seeing some of the levels of collaboration has been astonishing and also very interesting in the city centre, I think, um, that seeing the power of the resident population for the first time. You know, we have gone from 10,000 residents to nearly 100,000 residents in in a, in a decade, I, I guess. But actually seeing the importance of that resident population, um, which is, you know, gradually changing, but it, it is broadly 18 to 30s. It, it, you know, it is broadly white. It is broadly of, of a sort of young professional basis. That's gradually changing. And that's changing quite substantially in certain areas. But... It's, it's been interesting to see how much businesses have started to cater to, the, to that population rather than a, you know, international tourist type of population. When the international tourists go, if your entire business plan is based on a Chinese audience, funnily enough, you haven't got a business anymore, have you? It's, it's, it's really, um, I think one of the things that's really struck me is that there has been a real shared vulnerability um, for us as institutions, certainly as cultural leaders, but actually I think a shared vulnerability we probably uh, shared with lots of our visitors. So, you know, I look at my museum and, you know, the sad reality is we have 20% less staff this year 
than last year. You know, people have left. And um, and actually, you of course, you are diminished, but you have to find new ways of working. And I think that whatever you want to call them, that hyper-local audience, that is an amazing opportunity to build new relationships, you know, to actually start walking around those who live within walking distance to where you're based to find new ways. So I hope it means more collaboration with uh, charities, with third sector partners, with community organisations, because actually the only way we're going to really come out of this is if we do it together. And I think there's a sense of the value that culture can bring to all of that as part of exactly as Julia says, as part of a broader recovery, really. Um, finally, for, for each of you, I guess if, if we look sort of a year or two ahead, um, what will your sectors look like you think how will they have been changed by the experience of the last 12 months no it's a very wide open question but um you know what lessons will have been learned and continued with and worked on um what will the experience of museums and theatre be as a result of covid um i've got to pick somebody to start so sally so <laughs> wow um like like esme um we've had to lose some people and I, and I think what we haven't talked about is the the financial hit that all of us have taken of course along with the rest of the world um i mean it's great that uh, we're really grateful for the government support we've had but we've all taken a, a a really big hit and we all know it's going to take quite a few years probably before um some of our income streams that we've built up previously will come back so um that um that that's you know if you ask about a risk that's a that's a risk but um i think some of the really positive things that that you know some of the changes we've been we've 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 been forced into we've talked about the digital which has all, all sorts of enormous benefits potentially i think also the fact that um, uh, you know, we're not travelling as much. We, as because we're part of the Science Museum Group, we were an organisation that that travelled a lot. We we don't have to do that anymore. We've made so many um, efficiencies that are also, um, you know, going to cut our carbon emissions and, uh, uh, and 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 our waste and so on. So I think um, I think we will be will be um, a more efficient organisation for sure as a result of it. Um, we will have wider reach potentially. Um, and I think um, we, I do think there's something in the, in the fact that we've, that we've had this enforced stop um, and, and, and a chance to think. And we've, we've taken this time to really rethink a lot of our, to test and rethink a lot of our policies and our strategies and so on. And so I do really think uh, we've often talked in the past about doing less better. I really think we will be doing less better. Um, so I think there's, I, I think there, um, there's some really exciting areas to to, to go to, um, and and I think mostly it's the it's the kind of things we've talked about already. The the networks that we've built, um, the fact that we've all had to become more resilient and and, and realise the, the the resilience of our organisations and ourselves, um, and uh, and the, and the potential to to do things differently and just take some risks. Um, so it's actually quite exciting, I think. Excellent. Julia, what about in, in your sector? We might have lost Julia. Um, Esme, in your sector. <laughs> um, How do you see things in a couple of years? Well, in a couple of years, I very much hope that we're, there will be uh, the... Uh, 
Manchester Museum will be the new entrance on Oxford Road, the extension. Basically, will be 25% bigger than the previous Manchester Museum folk might know. Um, uh, but so bricks and mortar wise, we will definitely have grown. And of course, that means there are lots more spaces and opportunities etc etc I, I think the bit is is the one that Sally's raised actually which is there's almost a process I think certainly with us of opening up our institution far more I think we're far more open than we were only a good thing whether that's around engaging local people and their co-curating exhibitions with us bringing new narratives to the fore whether it's about being a place where we work with lots more startups and smaller businesses and support them in their work and also the way that we're coming together so we talk about collaboration and and if you take something like touring exhibitions Actually, there are lots of things that have emerged where, for example, lots of the larger regional museums like, like mine all over the UK, we've all come together and said, you know, actually, we can't do what we used to do. So let's all come together. Let's keep the ambition, but let's pool our resources because that is the only way forward. So I think there are going to be, um, I think there are going to be lots of new ways of doing things. I think there might be more and more happening outside of the museum rather than necessarily within the, that, that kind of the traditional museum space. And I hope that we can be a little bit more focused on kind of R&D, thinking about what might be possible um, and, and really open up those conversations with our visitors um, and not be, like Sally says, not be afraid to try stuff. You know, what, what's the worst that can happen? We'll try something and it doesn't work. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I've got to stay hopeful. Um, but really, it's about becoming maybe the museum the city needs for the future. And that, thanks for rejoining us, Julia. Um, that was some very nifty work on the technical side there. Um, how about for you, final question? Um, so where do you where do you see theatre? Where do you see what you're going to be doing in the Lowry in a couple of years' time? How much of that will be informed by the experience of, of the last 12 months? You're, you're on mute. There we go. Am I unmuted now? Fantastic. No, <laughs> Yeah, I think much of what's already been said would apply, I think, in our in our case. I think you know, greater efficiency, working differently. But in terms of what audiences can expect to, to see, I think that hyper-local point um, that's already been made, you know, the fact that there might be a hesitancy around some of those big theatre shows touring the same cities in the same way that they once did. Well, actually, that frees up platforms and opportunities, more opportunities for local artists, local stories. I think that's a big um, opportunity for us and, you know, particularly in collaboration with other organisations across, across the city. Um, I think hybrid working you know, whether or not we'll ever see the Lowry workforce all in the same building you know, at the same time. I think hybrid working, um, remote working is probably here here to stay and that will feel very differently, whether that's from, you know, how you come together, how you creatively brainstorm ideas and projects in the same way when some of you will probably be working, you know, remotely and some might might be in the building. Um, and also for our audiences, I think in the same way that we've all in sort of increased our digital capabilities um, and appetites, our audiences have too. So, you know, making sure that everything that we do is content rich from a digital perspective as well as from a live perspective. Huge changes ahead that, that I see real opportunities for increased engagement. And I think that will be 
the the big the big win. I think the final point is um, I think we all knew this anyway. Institutions like ours, we're absolutely crucial. We're anchor institutions within our city. In the past year, um, has absolutely cemented that I think for for us. So it's kind of taking that responsibility and that opportunity further, making sure that we don't kind of close down again, as as May said, and all go back to doing what we did before. Um, but you know, we've worked really hard to be open and um, you know more engaged. We've had to. Um, it would be such a shame if we. You know, if we see a reopening actually converge with a reversion back to us all, you know, scuffling off doing our own thing. So I think that greater connection, greater engagement is is a big opportunity and potential win for us out of all of this. That's great. And that's a really good point to end. Um, thank you all very much. And uh, good luck with a final reopening.